I see we have some new faces, so I kind of want to do a quick review here. Um, for those who are somewhat new to the class, um, Dave and I have been teaching together for probably, I don't know, 20, 30 years, maybe longer. And so our norm is to take every other chapter. We've been in Matthew since, I don't know, 2019 sometime. So uh, I'm happy to have 20, chapter 24 because it is uh, somewhat controversial because it deals with eschatology and Bible Chapel doesn't take a strong, we've talked about this before, we do not take a, a position on eschatology, whether it's pre-trib, post-trib, all millennial. We take the position that Jesus Christ is going to return and set up his earthly kingdom. And um, we did that because uh, going back in history, uh, we had some differences of opinion even in our congregation. So it's important that we don't have this as a divisive issue, but that we have it as a uniting issue and that Jesus Christ is going to return. He's going to set up his kingdom and uh, the King of Kings and Lord of Lords will be exalted. How all that happens uh, is uh, somewhat um, ambiguous at times. Maybe you haven't figured out. I don't. Um, so Matthew 24 and 25, I'm taking what's considered a pre-trib, pre-millennial view, uh, and which is um, held by many. And we're kind of looking at Matthew 24 through those lens. And then Dave is going to take and look at it through a different lens. And so we have an uh, overview here. Um, just to be uh, fair, we've had, we talked about I don't know if you can read my, there's, there's three main views today. There was a view called post-millennialism, but there's three views today, all millennial, which means no millennium. There will not be a thousand-year literal millennium, that Christ will return, there's no rapture, and that Matthew 24 is to be interpreted completely different than the way I'm interpreting it. So then there's the historic pre-millennial view, which, um, oh, I'm sorry, the, his, the uh, pre-trib, pre-millennial view which is uh, common in many churches today. And that holds that there will be, uh, after Christ is crucified, there will be what's called the church age. And then there'll be a, a, a decline that Paul talks about, a falling away. Then there'll be the, what's known as the rapture, that, 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 that the church will be taken out. There'll be the seven-year tribulation period, which we're looking at in Matthew 24 today. And then Christ will return and then there'll be a thousand-year kingdom, literal kingdom, set up here on earth where Israel and uh, will be um, uh, have the land that they uh, were promised in Genesis 13, 15, and 17. This view holds that the church and Israel are separate, and so it it it, uh, it can it can affect how you interpret your politics. Does Israel have a right to the land today, um, or? Um, that, that's how you have to look at it. Then there's a historic premillennialism, um, which basically says um, that Christ died, there's a church age, there's no rapture, there's a tribulation period of seven years, and then there's a millennium period of some time, not necessarily a thousand years, but there'll be an earthly millennial kingdom. And then after that, the judgment uh, of God and the building of the new heavens and the new earth. So, um, the all-millennial view was held by Augustine, Burkhoff, John Murray, Packer, R.C. Sproul. Um, and so, 
we have a whole group of people uh, that have uh, that we quote here on various subjects. Um, in the historic premillennial view, uh, John Charles Spurgeon, uh, Justin Martyr, they held to that view. The pre-trib premillennial view is relatively a new view in time, 1850s. Uh, it came about and became very popular in the 1920s with the uh, coming about of the Schofield Bible. Uh, Dallas Seminary is very um, big. John MacArthur uh, is uh, pre-trib, pre-millennial. Um, and, um, and so uh, we have um, people all over the place uh, in this. Um, so any, any thoughts or questions before we look? We're going back into Matthew here again. Tim? Yes, the view that I think is uh, that, uh, um, that we've talked about, which I didn't put up here, which we call the pan view, which means pan millennialism, which means at the end everything will pan out. And so uh, that's the view of God's sovereignty. At the end, it's going to work out, right? And so I, I will tell you this. That I, I grew up with this view, uh, pre-trib, premillennial. Um, if I had to pick one to die about today, I, I'm not sure. Um, I, I'm leaning between pre, historic premillennialism and pre-trib premillennialism. So, um, for what that's worth. So, any other any comments, questions? Dave will have to work out the timing with you, of course, uh, because you're traveling back and forth. All right. So what we've been doing, we've been looking at Matthew 24. I've taken the first 14 verses uh, that uh, Jesus is talking here. Notice verse 1, then Jesus went out and departed from the temple. His disciples came and uh, showed him the building of the temple, and Jesus said to them, Do you not see these things? Surely I say to you that not one stone will be left upon another, and then that will be thrown down. Of course, that happened in 70 A.D. Uh, at the destruction of Jerusalem. And then as he sat there in verse 3 on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, tell us when these things will be, what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? So they had three, three questions. And so Jesus, in this period of Matthew 24 and partially 25, is going to answer those questions. How you interpret how he answers those questions is how you come up with these different views. And so uh, that's where we are. Chapter 24, verses 4 through 14. I, uh, MacArthur and others see this as actually part of the tribulation. I see this as, as outside or signs that are of the coming tribulation. Jesus in verse 4 said, Take heed that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name. I am Christ and will be deceived. So as the end comes, as we get closer to the end of time, as we get closer to this time that the of what the church calls the rapture, you will see uh, more and more of these things coming. Verse 6, you will hear of wars, rumors of war, see that no one troubles you, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. So I take that to mean that that's, that is this decline, this falling away, as it were, before uh, the rapture. And then last week, um, or two weeks ago, uh, we picked up, we were at verse uh, 14. We finished there. And this is the gospel of the kingdom will be preached to all the world as a witness to all nations, and then the end will come. 
So as the gospel goes out, missionary work goes out, as the, as the name, the glory of Christ goes out through all the world to wherever that happens to be, to the ends of the earth, when that happens, then Christ will return or this, the rapture will come and the church will be taken out and then there'll be this seven-year tribulation period. Um, Dave, this might even be hard for you to listen to, but anyway, so uh, this, is where, this is where we're at here uh, from this view. Uh, if you're a historic uh, dispensationalist, um, you would have the same view, except here there would not be a rapture. There would just the church would go through, um, through the uh, tribulation period. So um, let's look here at, uh, I think last week we looked at verse um, 15, and we spoke a little bit about this. Um, Verse 15, therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet in the holy places, whoever reads, let him understand. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains, and let him who are in the housetops go down. and Do not take anything out of the house. I don't want to spend a lot of time going back. We covered this last week uh, or two weeks ago about Daniel's vision and uh, in uh, in 165, 67 A.D., there was a man called Antiochus Epiphanes, and uh, he was a descendant of, he was one of the descendants of the four generals that dispersed from uh, Alexander's army, uh, Alexander the Great, and he went into the temple and um, put a pig on the altar in, I think it was 167 A.D., or of BC, excuse me, 167. And so that's the event that Daniel was talking about. If you go back to Daniel uh, 9, Daniel 11, that's the exact event. Jesus goes back now and picks up that event, gives it a dual meaning, as it were, and says, when you see this happening in the future, in the future, not in the past, then you will know that certain things will happen. Now, uh, Again, this is where it kind of gets complicated, and I, I'm taking a little bit of your um, understanding of this uh, with uh, into consideration here. Turn back with me to Daniel a minute. Let's look at Daniel 9 a minute, 9, 9. Uh, 24, Uh, this is uh, Daniel the prophet, he says, 70 weeks are determined for your people and for your holy city to finish the transgression, to make an end of sin, and to make reconciliation, to inquire and to bring everlasting righteousness, to seal up the vision of prophecy and to anoint the most holy one. Then verse 27 He says here, then he shall confirm a covenant with many for one week, but in the middle of the week he shall bring an end to the sacrifice and an offering, and on the wings of the abomination he shall be one who makes desolate. Speaking of the uh, Antiochus Epiphanes, Jesus picks that up and pushes it forward from from 
from his time, probably 32 AD. It says, when you see this in the future, this is when you'll know that the end will come. So bear with me here a minute so we get understand this. Um, in the pre-trib, premillennial view, Daniel talks about 70 weeks. And those weeks are seen as years, 70 years, uh, or uh, periods of uh, uh, representing years. So if you take uh, the seven weeks that he had plus the 62 weeks, we get 69 weeks that Daniel has prophesied in, in Daniel 7 and in Daniel 9. If those are weeks that, or that years, it adds up to 483 years. So the idea is from the rebuilding of the temple, which is prophesied in Daniel, was about 450 A.D. If you move forward 483 years, you come up to 33 A.D., which is the approximate year that Christ died. So that gives you 69 years. Does everybody kind of understand that view? That's how we come up with the 69 weeks of years. Uh, from, so from the Daniel's prophecy in, uh, into the rebuilding of the temple about 450 B.C., moving forward, you come up to 33 A.D., to the time of Christ. What that does, it leaves, that only gives us 69 weeks. Where's the 70th week? According to the pre-trib, premillennial view. Where is it? You're all Bible taught. It's the tribulation, right? It's the seven week. It's, the, it's called the tribulation. If our brother Keith was here, he would be telling you exactly when it was. It would be that was the, it's the 70th week. It's the tribulation. And he would be uh, probably up, standing up shouting. He would be so excited we're talking about this. Uh, so this is how we get to this view. So from, from the time of Daniel's prophecy all the way up to the time of Christ's crucifixion is about 483 years. And then there's a, there's a week left, and that is explained here as future into the tribulation. So does that make sense or is that confusing everybody? I hope it makes some sense to us because that's, that's how the view works out. So, okay, so Jesus is crucified at 33 A.D., uh, and, and, uh, and so we're, we're, we're moving on from there. So let's look back at Matthew 24, 16 then. After this event that's prophesied, and Jesus is prophesying it to be happen, it's this view, pre-trib, premillennial, prophesied that it's going to happen in the middle of this tribulation period and that, that this desolation of abomination is going to happen during the tribulation period. So notice what he says here. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let him who is on the housetop go down and take anything out of the house and let him who is in the field go back and get his clothes. So from chapter 24 verse 15 through 28 is this is what the tribulation period is going to look like. This is that seven years period here. It's the missing week from Daniel chapters 7 and 9. And this is a description. Jesus has given a description here in these verses of what will happen and what we are to do during that uh, period. 
So if you look at Matthew 24, uh, 16, uh, they will see these signs. What, what is the sign that they will see? Jesus said, when you see this, this sign in Matthew uh, 24, 3, when you see this sign, the sign is obviously, from this view, the desolation of abomination, that, th- that, that offering of the pig upon the altar. And so when Jesus says, when you see this sign, you'll know you're in the middle of the tribulation period. What are we to do? Well, he says, if you happen to be living during that period, um, we are, they are to flee immediately. Um, let them who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let him who are on the housetops not go down and take anything out of the house. If you happen to be alive during this time of tribulation, then Jesus is saying, get out of the city. Run, hide. Do not be, uh, go into the mountains. Uh, he gives a summary uh, of those days uh, in verse 20. Um, let me see, verse 18, he says, Let him who, has, who is in the field not go back and get his clothes. All these verses kind of go together. But woe to those who are pregnant and those who are nursing babies in those days. And pray that your flight may not be in the winter or on the Sabbath. Get out of town as fast as you can. Um, why did he mention the Sabbath, by the way? We'll go back to um, our, our study in Matthew. What did the Pharisees teach about the Sabbath and traveling? We couldn't travel on the Sabbath, right? And so Jesus kind of picks up on that point here. He says, just pray it's not on the Sabbath because if it is, you're not supposed to travel on the Sabbath according to the Pharisees here. So here's this time of tribulation. We've got the, the falling away that Paul talks about. We've got this rapture that Paul talks about, the taking away of the church. Uh, the uh, unbelievers uh, will be remain on earth. The believers will be taken. There are some... And this is where it gets a little confusing. There are some that believe that that hold to the pre-trib. Uh, uh, they hold to the uh, to this view, but they say that you'll be taken. It there. So they're called mid-tribbers. That the tribulation, the, the church will actually be taken out, and they see this coming because of verse 15 that the church won't be taken out until the middle of the tribulation, until the middle of the three and a half year period. So notice in verse 21, for then, and this is Jesus' words, he calls it a great tribulation, which has not since been since the beginning of the world until this time, nor shall there ever be. So this is what we call, he gives a summary of those days, this great tribulation. Uh, it's never been like this before. It never will be like it again. Um, never shall be uh, as, um, as Christ is describing in here. It's a horrible time. It's a time of, uh, it's a time of um, that there, and we're not going to take time to go into Revelation because we'll be here forever, but it's a time where there will be great trouble and trial and tragedy upon the earth. It'll be a horrible time. There'll be a time of famine and starvation a time of war, a time where the Antichrist and the beast will be uh, in charge and, and, uh, and it will be uh, really undescribable as uh, Jesus 
uh, is, is telling about it. He's calling it the great tribulation. No, nothing's ever been like this, nor will ever be or shall be. Um, if you turn to First Thessalonians with me, this is um, verse 4, or chapter 4. Uh, one of the interesting things about Matthew 24, that uh, the pre-trib, premillennial view has to deal with, is that the, tri- that the rapture is not taught in Matthew 24. It's not, it's not there. What we're seeing here is this time of tribulation, but Jesus nowhere talks about the church being taken out. Uh, that, that goes back to 1 Thessalonians 4, uh, 13 through 18. Uh, Dave and I talked a couple weeks ago. We've said it here. All these views have issues. Uh, I, there's no perfect view. If you did, MacArthur and Sproul would certainly believe or teach the same thing, and, and Spurgeon held to a different view. Uh, so all these views have issues. If you look at 1 Thessalonians 4, uh, verse 13, I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who are asleep in Christ. For this we say by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and a trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first, and then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up. That's the word there. The word rapture shall be taken out. This is where we get the, uh, the main teaching in the New Testament about the rapture. For those we are alive shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet them in the air. And there shall we always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. So the main, even though the rapture is not taught in Matthew 24, at least in my view, um, it is certainly... Uh, Paul would have that in mind, this catching away of the saints in uh, 1 Thessalonians here. So, uh, all right. So that's, that's how the church is not here. The church is gone. So what do we do with what, uh, what happens here? Notice in verse 22, um, let me see here, in verse, um, as I said, the some people would uh, say that the rapture is taught, but it's really not. So the church uh, will not go through the seven-year tribulation period. That is, the, the view is that God's wrath will not be poured out upon the church. Uh, and then in verse 22 here, notice Jesus gives some more details. And unless those days are shortened, no flesh will be saved for the elect's sake, and those days will be shortened. Apparently there's going to be some people saved during this seven-year tribulation period. There are going to be people coming to Christ. Um, I'm not going to take a whole lot of time to go back into Revelation, and we'll look at a couple passages. Uh, This view holds that there will be 144,000 Jews saved during that period. Uh, You've heard the term 144,000, probably many of you, your whole life. That's when the pre-trib, pre-millennial view would say that they would be saved they would come to Christ during that age. 
Um, whether that's an exact number or just a representation depends if you take it literally or not. And so um, the, uh, it happens, um, but there are some that are called the elect. Let's look back at Revelation 7 a minute and just notice what, uh, how this ties in. As I said, we could, we could spend um, days on this, uh, and I, I want to be fair, um, again, to the Word of God, but also uh, to our time here. Uh, Revelation 7, uh, let's, if you look above in Revelation 7, there is, uh, in verse 3, of 144,000 of the tribes of the children of Israel, and that's where they get this number. Um, there is a little bit of a problem with that in that uh, in this list, Dan is not mentioned or is Ephraim. And so there's, a, there's kind of a, a um, if the 12,000 are from every tribe, some of the tribes are left out. Uh, but notice here, verse 9, after these things I looked and behold a great multitude, which no one could number of all nations, tribes, tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with a white throne and palm branches in her hands and crying with a loud voice saying, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the lamb. And the, all the angels stood around the throne and the elders and the four living creatures and fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God saying, blessed and amen here um, to the Lord. And verse, uh, verse, uh, verse 12 saying, Amen, blessing and glory, wisdom, thanksgiving, honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. And one of the elders answered, saying to me, Who are these arrayed in white robes, and where did they come from? And I said to him, Sir, you know. And he said to me, These are the ones who came out of the great tribulation and washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night. And his temple, and he who sits on the throne will dwell among them. So this view would look at Revelation 7 and say it's very clear here that there are going to be many who are saved during the tribulation period. Jesus called it a great number. Uh, they are going to, he, uh, in, in John represents them in Matthew uh, chapter 7 here as those who are become believers during this seven-year great tribulation period. So, any questions, any thoughts, comments? How many grew up with the pre-trib, pre-millennial view? How many ever heard another view besides that when they were growing up? Okay, couple here, so good. All right, so it's, uh, for us, I never really heard anything different until we... When we first came to Bible Chapel back in the late 80s, their doctrinal statement actually was pre-trib, pre-millennial um, until uh, we wrote the, rewrote the Constitution. So, verse 23, Jesus goes back to the time before the Great Tribulation. Uh, look at verse 23 through 26. Then if any say to you, look, here is Christ, there do not believe him, for the false Christ and the false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders and deceive, even possible that the elect will be deceived. See, I have told you before, there if I say to you, look, for he is in a desert, do not go out. Look, he is in the inner room. Do not believe it. And so 
uh, we saw back in verse 5 that there's going to be many false Christ as the end draws near. Uh, Jesus says, don't believe them. There's going to be many false prophets. Verse 24, uh, it looks like, uh, notice, false Christ and false prophets will rise up and show great signs and wonders to deceive. Even if during this time of tribulation and preceding that, if you see those who are performing miracles that appear to be uh, of Christ and they claim to be Christ, don't believe them. Um, they are similar signs to what earth, what Christ did on earth. Uh, these are false Christ. Um, they are convincing. And notice he says that uh, even the very elect of God, um, notice in verse 23 here, show signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect would be deceived. doesn't say it is possible. I don't think it is possible. I don't think the elect can ever be deceived of that. But it, Jesus is using hyperbole here just to explain this and saying that it's very possible. Uh, false prophets will come that will be convincing, and even the very elect will be, uh, it is, it, it, they will struggle, but they won't be ultimately deceived. Um, John 10, just so there's no uh, under misunderstanding here. Look at John 10 a minute with me. John 10, 4 and 5. Here's what Jesus says about those who are truly his. In verse 4 of John 10, and when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them and the sheep follow him and they know his voice. Yet they will by no means follow a stranger but will flee from him for they do not know the voice of the stranger. And so during this tribulation period, those who are believers will also flee. Uh, and John uh, goes on in verse 27, notice, my sheep hear my voice, I know them, and they follow me. One of the signs of someone is a true believer, whether now or during the tribulation period, is they will follow Christ. They will not fall away. They may be uh, tempted, but they will not be ultimately uh, deceived. So these false Christs, these false prophets will be able to perform great signs and wonders. Jesus says during this time of tribulation, there's going to be many to come. Uh, they are deceivers, but not true. So how do we know? Um, uh, in, uh, how do we know when Christ comes? How do we know when the true Christ comes? Well, Jesus answers that question here in verse 27. Notice. For as the lightning comes from the east and flashes to the west, so also will be the coming of the Son of Man. For whoever, or for wherever the carcass is, there the eagles will gather together. All these false Christ, all these false teachers, all these deceivers will come and go. But Jesus says, here's how you know when the true Christ comes. It's in verse 27. As the lightning comes from the east and flashes to the west, so also will the coming of the Son of man be. There will be no doubt when Jesus comes back. So this verse 27 is here at the return of Christ after the seven-year tribulation period. This is when Jesus comes. He will uh, gather together all the elect. So this, this, in this view, this is called the tribulation, and in this view, it's called the second coming. They are distinct and are separated by this seven-year uh, period.
Jesus says, you'll know when I come in my glory, and you will, there will be no doubt you will see me. Turn back to Acts, a couple of passages. Turn to Acts chapter 1. Uh, I think we opened with this uh, several weeks ago. Acts 1, verse 11. Be many false prophets, false teachers. Don't believe them because Jesus is going to return. And he says in Acts 1, 11, who also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This is the angel. This same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will also in like manner come as you saw him go into heaven. There will be no doubt universally when Jesus Christ comes back. It will be a universal event. There will be no doubt that he is the true and the only one. Uh, Revelation 1, 7 says similar uh, notice here behold he is coming with clouds and every eye will see him even they who pierced him and all the tribes of the earth will mourn because of him even so amen and so there will be this um, time of falling away the time of deceit this time of, of great tribulation but Jesus Christ will return at the end of that and then in verse 29 here, notice, oh, let me just go back here a minute. In verse 28, um, this seems to be a proverb, uh, uh, an old proverb, the idea being, verse 28, let me read this, uh, for, who, for wherever the carcass is, there the eagle will be gathered together. The most commentators see this as some kind of old proverb, but the idea is being as the eagle can be seen, uh, from a great distance, flying over dead prey, so will Christ be seen from a great distance, as according to Revelation, by all nations as he returns uh, at the end of this period of time. Uh, and so Jesus uses a proverb of the time uh, to express that. Uh, for the unbeliever, it will be too late. It will be, there will be no uh, salvation. It will be the time that there will be uh, enter into this millennial kingdom, and at the end of that there will be the judgment. But all of those who are not in Christ, it will be uh, too late, and um, there will be no coming back. Uh, notice here, immediately after the tribulation of those days, in verse 29, he says, uh, Jesus goes on to say, those days the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light and the stars will fall from heaven and the power of the heavens will be shaken. Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven and then all of the tribes of the earth will mourn and they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and with glory. Similar to what John says in Matthew chapter, or excuse me, Revelation 1, 7, the same idea. There's going to be... Um, there's going to be um, something catastrophic happen here, uh, whatever that is. It's, we're not sure. Immediately after the tribulation, the sun will be dark and the moon will not uh, give its light and the stars will fall from heaven. Uh, turn to a parallel passage in Luke chapter 21 uh, and notice how uh, Luke gives a, gives a description here. Luke gives a description in, of the same time period in Luke 21, 
Uh, look at verse 25 here. And there will be signs in the sun and the moon and the stars and on the earth, distress of nation and perplexity in the seas and the war- waves roaring, men's hearts failing, failing them, then fear and expectation of those things which are coming on the earth. For the powers of the heaven will be shaken, and then they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with power and great glory. So this time of great distress, this time of tribulation, of turmoil, even the very heavens, the sun, the moon, the stars will be affected uh, by this time before uh, Christ comes. There will be natural disasters as never been seen before. Um, the, uh, the stars will, will uh, be affected. Uh, men's hearts, according to Luke, will fail. They'll be, ex- uh, they'll be expecting the worst on earth. There will be no hope, as it were, before this time of Christ, before he returns. Uh, and and then when, at that time, they will see coming into clouds Jesus Christ with great power and great glory. So that's what Luke has to say. Whatever that time and how long that will last, we're not given. We're just told that there is going to be this time uh, when nature itself will even be affected by this. Uh, Turn back to Matthew uh, 24 then, and let's look here at um, where we left off um, in verse, verse 30. Then the signs of the Son of Man will appear in heaven, and all the tribes of the earth will mourn and see him. This goes back to the proverb of the eagles. All will see him with power and glory, and he will send his angels with great sound of trumpet, and they will gather together the elect from the four winds and from the ends of heaven, one end to the other. So this will be when Jesus returns after the tribulation period. He will gather together. The saints will come from heaven with him. The ones that have been uh, raptured earlier will return to heaven with him. And figuratively and literally here, Jesus says he will gather together uh, all those who died in Christ uh, from one end of the earth to the other. Um, Jesus himself will appear and he will um, come back in glory And after that, he will gather together all those who died in Christ or the elect. Uh, The four winds just speaks about the ends of the earth to wherever it is possible that one could be, Jesus will gather him to himself. Uh, Some of the early uh, church fathers, uh, interestingly, thought, and I don't know where they they thought when we read in verse, um, the Son of Man coming in the clouds with power and great glory, uh, some of the early church fathers thought that he, Jesus might actually come back with a blazing cross, um, uh, some kind of a literal bright cross, uh, as it were. Um, I've, I've got that out of MacArthur's commentaries. Others think it has to do, the glory has to do with the Shekinah from the Old Testament when Jesus filled the temple, that the glory of the Lord will fill not just the temple but the whole earth. Uh, there'll be this bright light that, it, that cannot be uh, dismissed as anything but Christ. Um, it won't be, notice, it won't be just a local event, uh, but there will be this, uh, it'll be a, uh, a worldwide event, and he will send his angels out to the ends of the earth uh, to uh, 
bring his elect. No one can hide. Um, no one can um, say they didn't see it coming. Uh, and for the unbeliever, as I said, it will be too late. There will be great mourning in every nation and every kind of people. Uh, let's, well, let's look at Revelation 19. I'll close with this. We'll pick this up next week. Revelation 19. Well, we'll just pick this up next week. It's going to be too late. So um, any comments or questions before we end today? I appreciate your input if you have thoughts about this. So if not, we'll pick this up next week and we'll, we'll go from there. So thanks.